Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Four Vaginas Only. In this episode, I'm going to be talking about my pregnancy journey. Not the whole thing, I think I'm going to break it up into a few different episodes, but we're going to get started from the only place I can start from, which is the very beginning. But as usual, before we get into that, let's cue the music. Hello, and welcome to Four Vaginas Only, the podcast about everything female. I'm your host, Dr. Celestine, bringing you important information about understanding your health and body in the way you wish your doctor would actually explain it. All right, welcome back to another episode of Four Vaginas Only. I'm Dr. Celestine, if you are new around here. Um, This is my podcast, Four Vaginas Only, and in this episode, we're going to be talking about something personal to me, my pregnancy journey as a first-time-ish pregnant person, which we'll get to, and in this episode, we'll start talking about my first trimester. Okay, so for those of you that have been longtime followers of the Four Vaginas Only podcast, you know that I've been gone for probably almost a year without any new podcast episodes. Now, um, two things I want to say about that. One, I kept, because I have obviously metrics and things like that with the podcast, and even though I was gone, I kept seeing I had like hundreds and hundreds of new listeners every couple of weeks, and I just really want to thank all of you guys for that, that have been with me for a while, that have found me even during this little break that I had. And two, I really took a break because... One, I'll get into the kind of how miserable I felt in the beginning of the pregnancy. And then I just kind of lost my creative motivation. And I don't know, I felt like I was just, it was more like comparison culture for me when it came to social media. And I just wasn't enjoying it. So I just stayed in my little cocoon, started a new job also during that time, and just tried to enjoy my pregnancy time. I guess I could say, um, but I did miss you guys. I missed the podcast and I missed like educating. I missed talking with people, answering questions. So I'm back and I think a great place for me to kind of start is to talk about my pregnancy journey. Now it's funny because I would have never guessed that I would have experienced pregnancy the way that I did. I mean that as an OBGYN, you know, you know the books. You, I've seen hundreds and probably a thousand plus pregnancies by now delivered a lot of babies. Um, but nothing really prepares you for going through it yourself. Now I feel like I have a different connection to pregnancy, a different way that I counsel patients, you know, a different way to see things, even to see things clinically. It's a little bit different now because I've actually experienced it myself. So, That's one of the things I've been grateful for, um, the ups and the downs of what went on with me because I have a better understanding of certain things. Not everything, because obviously every pregnancy is different, but at least the stuff that I went through and just being pregnant in general and changing who you are to becoming this mother is a different thing. So anyway, it's pretty cool. But um, So let's start from the very beginning. So back in... The end of 2019, beginning of 2020, like January 2020, before the pandemic, um, I found out that I was pregnant. And I was like, I was excited. It was something we were planning for. You know, I was like so surprised when I missed my period. This is the first time I'd ever, you know, gone through something like that. And, And then I was pregnant. 
And my husband and I were apart from each other because I had just moved to New Jersey to kind of like start our new life over here, start get started with my job that I had found before he found his. Um, and he was still back where we lived before. So, so let me tell you something, and this is not an ad at all. None of the products I mentioned in this podcast episode have any type of ad aspect to them. But it is very difficult for those pregnancy tests with the pink line, the faded pink line, and is it there, is it not there? I had a hard time with those. So even though they're more expensive, I ended up buying a lot of the clear blue pregnancy tests for both times that I was um, pregnant because it was just so much easier, pregnant versus not pregnant, aside from like putting something in the light and squinting to determine if the, the line was there. I know those are cheaper and some people don't have the option, but they really need to make pregnancy tests a lot more clear. And I really liked the clear blue test. It took a lot of the guesswork out of it. So I digress. So anyway, I found out that I was pregnant. Um, a little scary, a little nerve wracking. And then um, I waited kind of a little bit, maybe about six to eight weeks, maybe about seven weeks to go to the doctor because he was coming to visit and we could do the first ultrasound together. Well, went to that first ultrasound and there was just an empty sack in my uterus. And as an OBGYN, I know what that means. Um, I went back again for another ultrasound, like maybe a week later or so, and it was just a bigger empty sac. So that's considered a blighted ovum or an embryonic pregnancy. I call it a blighted ovum more commonly. So that's what I had experienced. Um, it's just basically a big empty sac with no fetus growing inside of it. That can happen um, sometimes for unknown reasons, but the most common cause of, you know, a miscarriage or a not having a normal pregnancy is something chromosomal that didn't just match up well and caused the pregnancy not to form. At that point, though, I was already nauseous. I was vomiting. Um, I really felt like I was pregnant. Um, so it was a little bit devastating for that to happen. Yeah, so um, by February, I knew that it wasn't a good pregnancy and then I was given, well, I kind of wasn't really given the option here. One of the, I was in this group, I went to this group of doctors and the doctor I had normally seen wasn't there like the second time that I went back for the ultrasound. So the other physician that was there basically didn't give me all of the options for how to manage this. And I guess didn't realize that I was an OBGYN also. So they wanted to jump straight to surgery. But I really was hell-bent on doing Cytotec first or taking a pill to try to see if I can clear out the uterus on my own without having to undergo surgery. Um, <laughs> looking back now, I kind of wish I just went straight to the surgery. But so I ended up taking the medication. Usually the medication works pretty well. It has a pretty high success rate. Um, but I ended up doing it two separate times. And still not cleaning out everything inside of my uterus. Um, and it was very painful. Uh, it was very, most, one of the most painful things I had experienced at, up until that time. And I had done it two times and I was still bleeding. I mean, I was bleeding for weeks after this, uh, pregnancy loss. And so then I was working also. And on top of it, I started to smell like a foul odor. I was getting concerned that there was still products in there that could become infected. And I didn't want that to affect my uterus and then to affect maybe a subsequent pregnancy. Um, did some lab work, yada, yada, and ended up having to have the DNC procedure anyway. So I literally went in for the DNC 
I mean, a week before the pandemic hit the United States in like a big way. So in like mid, early mid-March, I was in the hospital um, getting the dilation and curatage procedure to finish clearing out everything from the miscarriage. So that was March 2020. Um, so (laughs) interestingly enough, like, I mean, with the pandemic, things then kind of like fell through with the job that I had come here to do. Um, I started looking for a new job. I mean, just so many things were happening. I got a, I bought a house. Um, so a lot of some negative things, some positive things, but I don't know. I'm just not very, I just try, which I guess is a fault can be a fault. I just try to pick up and move on. So that's what I was doing. Yeah. So like March, April, May, June, July. I mean, then we kind of, I wanted to give my body some rest. So I took about three months off of even trying to become pregnant again. And then sometime in August or maybe end of July, we started trying again And then by that time, my husband was here. I had a new prospect for a job that was hopefully going to be a lot less stressful than the one that I had started in New Jersey. Found out around Labor Day that I was pregnant again. So it was exciting, but also a little scary, right? So after you experience a miscarriage of any kind or a loss of any kind, it's just, you just worry a little bit more. You become a little more anxious with the next pregnancy, which I think is a normal reaction. Um, a lot of people call their next pregnancy their rainbow baby. I've never really used that term. I don't know. I, I know it, it gives a lot of people solace and comfort, but we're not all the same. And it doesn't really do that for me. I just knew the second pregnancy around, I was hopeful, but ang- like, cautiously hopeful. I didn't want to get my hopes up too high. Um, even the whole way through the pregnancy, like I literally think until the delivery, (laughs) I still was trying to keep my hopes down because I don't know. I just, I didn't want to get myself too excited for something that might not happen again. Um, and I know that as a obstetrician that at any point during the pregnancy, something can happen and then it could be over. And that's a sad way to look at it. But I think my past experiences, plus having way too much knowledge about pregnancy, set my mind up in that way, unfortunately. <laughs> um, so anyway, and then, of course, so I didn't find out I was pregnant until, like, I was taking pregnancy tests after pregnancy test, and it was all negative. Like, I think I had a negative pregnancy test all the way, like, almost to three weeks after when my period was supposed to start. So I truly didn't think I was pregnant. I had tried like the period before that I had taken pregnancy tests and then I got my period anyway. So I thought this was going to be that as well. Then shortly after Labor Day weekend of 2020, I took the test and found out that it was positive. And of course, that was after going to, I had a Labor Day party here. I had made like this margarita drink for everybody. I mean, it was a fun time thinking I wasn't pregnant, but I was. (laughs) Um, Luckily that, you know, nothing detrimental happened from that, which is, you know, I'm glad for that. So anyway, so I found out I was pregnant again. I was excited. I was so excited. Um, Told my husband about it, but literally didn't tell any, like I told my mom and my husband and my doctor, who was also my friend, 
at the time that I was pregnant and nobody else. I literally, I'll probably get to this later, but I didn't tell anybody I was pregnant until I was like after 20 weeks, like after my anatomy scan. So anyway, um, again, cautiously optimistic. So um, I found out that I was pregnant and I was excited um, and literally probably by week six of the pregnancy, that excitement went away because I was sick. I was so sick. I couldn't even eat anything. I felt like I could barely move. I was so weak from all the vomiting that I was doing. Um, I would just be in the bed all day, all night, like in the dark, (laughs) just feeling nauseous and vomiting and every smell, movement, even hot water. Like I didn't even want to take a shower and I love showers and I could not take a hot shower. I couldn't be in the steam. Oh, just thinking about it now, I already like feel nauseous again, but it was not fun. Uh, So I don't know if I officially, I think I officially qualify for hyperemesis. I was in denial though. (laughs) So hyperemesis, you need some parameters, which include not only weight loss, but having like uh, ketones in your urine and the persistent vomiting. And I had lost about six or seven pounds, which if you know me, I'm a pretty thin person. So losing, you know, that much weight just, I don't know, I just didn't feel well. I felt weak and I was all of a sudden like not happy about the pregnancy any longer. (laughs) because I was just so miserable. I mean, I was happy, but you know, I was also miserable. So it was just very hard to be excited like everybody else was around me. Also early in the first trimester, I was very crampy. I was also passing a lot of like this pink thicker discharge. So with what I had experienced previously, I was like, this is not, this is probably not going to be a good pregnancy again. Um, So and I mean, severe cramps, like very bad period cramps. And every time I would go to the bathroom, I'd be worried. I'd be wiping and looking for red blood. And I honestly never saw red blood, but I did have like the pink discharge um, and like big pink clumps of discharge in the toilet too in the beginning of my pregnancy. But again, you know, as an obstetrician, I know that that early on in pregnancy, even if it was going to become a loss, even if I started bleeding, There was absolutely nothing that a doctor can do to save a pregnancy at that early stage. So I just waited it out and watched things closely and just continued to see how things were going and if things were going to improve. But then when I finally went to my first doctor's appointment, I I saw that little gummy bear baby, like I like to call it. I saw that little heartbeat for the first time. And even though I was still miserable, I couldn't believe that it was a sack with an actual baby in it that had a heartbeat. And it was unbelievable. It really was. I felt, I almost felt like it was an outer body experience. Like it wasn't really happening to me. Like it was somebody else's ultrasound that I might've been doing in the office. Um, I don't know. I was so strange. Like I just didn't feel, I was just very cautious, anxious and cautious. So I don't know if I felt what everybody normally feels when they're pregnant, those that are maybe not OBGYNs and have never experienced a pregnancy loss. I'm sure it's like super exciting from the jump, but not only did I know too much and did I have that experience, but I was also super sick. So for me in the beginning, it wasn't that fun. 
So by the time I saw my OBGYN, I started to feel a little better because she had put me on some anti-nausea medication, which um, helped a lot. It stopped me really from throwing up, but I was still like very, very nauseous um, and couldn't smell certain things. But at least I had started to gain weight because I wasn't vomiting anymore. So that's a plus. (laughs) Um, And those anti-nausea medications, you know, they don't make... For a lot of people, I know because I see it with my patients, they don't always make the symptoms disappear completely, but they help you get through and they help you at least keep down liquids and keep down enough food to kind of support your body and support this new life that you're growing. So that was unfortunate. And I experienced that nausea probably all the way until I was almost 20 weeks. So from September all the way through December. Um, I was just super, I just felt sick all the time. But anyway, the other thing that happened to me in the first trimester was really bad acne. So I started looking up all of these acne treatments or things that you can use in pregnancy. I had changed my face routine because I have a routine, um, but I changed it early on because there were some products I was using that are not necessarily deemed 100% safe in pregnancy. And then I was looking up and talking to a lot of my dermatologist friends about what I could do for this acne that was safe in pregnancy. So just in case this is going on with you, basically I cut out some things, but the things that I have always used for my face, including the clean and clear benzoyl peroxide face wash is what I used mostly. I had originally start, was using like a Neutrogena salicylic acid face wash, but I had cut that out during pregnancy and a little bit before um, I also have used Murad Revitalixer Serum, which I kept in my regimen, um, and then the Goop Unseen Sunscreen, which I've used for a while now. But two things that I added to help control the acne in pregnancy were from the company called The Ordinary. So one was their Azelic Acid. Um, it's kind of like a creamy substance. And I would use that in the mornings, and then I would use their niacinamide and zinc serum in the evening. And literally in about mm, two weeks or so, it cleared up a lot of my pregnancy acne. And then, you know, just keeping that regimen up and eventually the scars and everything faded away. I had a lot like on my forehead and on my chin, which I guess are the spots for hormonal acne. I'm not a dermatologist. This is just kind of what I researched on my own and what worked for me. So from having that blighted ovum to the DNC procedure to being upset about that to then getting this new pregnancy um, that started, I learned a lot of things about myself and about pregnancy in general. I mean, first of all, I learned what it feels like to be pregnant, the ups and downs of pregnancy. I had my first DNC ever So not only, I mean, I know how those things go by the book. I know how the medication works to get rid of a pregnancy or clean out the uterus versus having a surgery versus, you know, how do you get pregnant? All of these things I'm well aware of, (laughs) but to feel it and to go through it is a different thing. Surprisingly, I surprised myself with that. Um, I definitely have a different appreciation for it than I did before. Um, the other thing I learned was every trick in the book in order to help with nausea and vomiting. <laughs> and let me tell you, your body is powerful. It doesn't matter what medication you're trying or what, like I tell people, small frequent meals throughout the day, avoid the things that make you nauseous, like the smells or the tastes or whatever. 
it, you could try everything under the sun. Nothing, at least for me, nothing made it go away. I had only made it tolerable to where I could actually just function, like only function, not thrive, not be excited, but just function, which I guess is a win, right? Like I always tell people that are my patients, a lot of the things I'm treating, a lot of the medications I'm giving you or the surgery I perform, it may not make you a hundred percent because the body is still very powerful. Nothing we've done in medicine yet kind of overcomes nature a hundred percent, if that makes sense. So that's something that I learned. Also something that I was beginning to learn, which we will touch on more as these episodes go along, is that I did not love pregnancy. I didn't. Um, it started off rough and it was okay. I definitely didn't have the worst pregnancy I've ever seen because I've seen a lot, but I just didn't enjoy it. It wasn't a thing that made me super happy to be pregnant um, to feel the pregnancy, to watch that happen. Like the end result was great. I wanted a baby. I love my baby. Um, but the act of being pregnant, some people, you know, they're like, oh, I could be pregnant a hundred million times. That wasn't me. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of the Four Vaginas Only podcast sharing a little bit of my journey with you with a little bit of education, knowledge, how to manage certain things for yourself too. But as always, you know, my experience is not, does not have to be your experience and everybody's different. So please, 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 I encourage you to talk to your doctor about pregnancy, about anything you're experiencing, just to make sure that it's okay for you. Any medications, any topical agents you use, make sure that it's okay for you. Um, and that's it. So thank you guys so much, and I'll see you in the next podcast episode where we'll talk a little bit more about the end of my first trimester and going into my second trimester.